0: Hello everyone and welcome to this CityWire podcast in association with Dynamic Planner. I'm Ian Horn, Head of UK Audience Development for CityWire and today I'm joined by Jim Henning from Dynamic Planner and Simon Drake, Chartered Financial Planner and Director of Bainley Drake Wealth. In this series we're looking at cash flow planning, the accumulation in retirement, technology and how advisors can demonstrate their value to clients. Uh, this is episode two and for this podcast our topic is how do we finally nail the accumulation in retirement? Simon, Jim, thank you for joining me. And Simon, I'm going to start with you for question one. Uh, And that question is, uh, what do you typically do currently for a client that's entering or just starting retirement?
1: Okay, so when we identify that a client's looking to go into retirement, that's going to trigger our at retirement process. We have implemented uh, prod. We've um, segmented our client bank uh, appropriately. So anyone that's looking to enter uh, at retirement, um, we go through a documented process. All the advisors in the firm follow the same sort of process, so the client will get a similar uh, solution and outcome. Of course, there's going to be nuances depending on which advisor, but for the most part, it's going to be uh, a fairly similar outcome. We use a, a very specific fact find for at retirement, which has got more focus on open questions and on client objectives. We use a dynamic planner questionnaire, of course, with a greater emphasis on capacity for loss. Um, wherever the, the risk profile starts is initially, that's the start of the conversation. But we also need to look at the, the ability of the, of the client to withstand a loss as part of their overall plan. But also the, the need, the, the, the risk that the need, the, the, the need that the client has to take in order to meet their objectives. That's also really, really important. And then we blend a, a, a risk level around those three options. We've also implemented and used some of our, our questionnaires that we use in the DB space. Uh, and that's to gain an understanding of the client's attitude to secure income uh, versus uh, flexible income. And we've also embraced technology. So we give the, the clients the opportunity to, to watch some animated videos about um flexibility of income and retirement, drawdown, uh, as well as secure income. And that helps their understanding from an educational point of view. And then we blend it all together. That then gives us a variety of pathways. We also have to stress uh, that we're using cash flow as well. That underpins any, any recommendations that we make. And that has to be robust enough to see if the client can actually meet their objectives. And then finally, we have to focus, obviously, on wills and lasting power of attorney. Just to make sure that should the client lose their mental capacity, we're in a position to still be able to help them.
0: Simon, that, that's really comprehensive, and it kind of shows the amount of stuff that has to be done. Um, so, so Jim, if I can send this one along to you, uh, you know, from a dynamic planner perspective, what what do you think you need to do to to help planners with the whole process? Uh, and you know, and what considerations uh, are at the top of your mind when you do that?
2: Mm. I think it's an incredibly complex uh, scenario, really. There's lots of various drivers here in terms of trying to come up with a, a suitable recommendation. Clearly, flexibility, I think, is important and being able to reflect the differing needs of different clients in different stages of their retirements. Uh, I think it's vital to have that flexibility to kind of take a, a, a granular view of various strategies and try and call out the the risks that are inherent with those various strategies. So, you know, if you were looking traditionally at a, a natural yield type of uh, Recommendation. It's clear that you know if you looked at what we'd seen this year with the Corona crash and the, I suppose the subsequent vaccine rally, we've seen incredible volatility. uh, You know, maximum drawdown of UK equities about thirty percent level of yield from UK equity income, which is perhaps a traditional hunting ground for this type of uh, income solution. You know, you've seen income fall by around a third. So now that that's significant in terms of if you're trying to generate that level of income, uh, that you want to live off in retirement. And I think the other point here to think about is, you know, that volatility can be a friend, but also, you know, particularly for the this, this segment of clients, you know, that that the requirement if you 're taking fixed withdrawals from your variable pension pot you know, that volatility is certainly the biggest risk uh, to to manage out, so I think obviously the flexibility to draw on various pots of assets and go into that level of detail is what we we spend a lot of time on developing in terms of our our proposition, and I think um, it 's only ever going to become more and more important because you know the stats show that longevity of clients is increasing. I was reading somewhere the other day that by uh, 2037, the quarter of the population will be around 65 or over, which uh, really does bring this to the fore, I think, in terms of managing income in retirement. It's incredibly important.
0: Yeah. And to touch upon a few of the things you mentioned there, you mentioned kind of volatility uh, and income in retirement. Now, this year has been an incredibly strange one in that respect. And and Simon, my question to you is, you know, how do you prepare people for this? I know you mentioned cash flow planning earlier uh, and various other things. Yeah, you know, when you have an early conversation with a client entering retirement, how do you prepare them for these kind of unexpected events or market downturns?
1: It's all about the education. So we have to make sure that the clients are aware of the advantages and disadvantages and risks of any solution or any, any recommendations that we make. Um, I think, really, as far as we're concerned, we have to develop a, a deeper curiosity around the client to understand what they're really hoping to achieve, and then wrap around a solution that helps them meet those objectives. But yeah, I mean, definitely, there's so many variables and there's so many moving parts out there that we have to um, always be mindful um, mm-hmm. that the clients may not have um, so much experience, and it's us as professional advisors to help them guide them through that journey.
0: Yeah, and we're going to look at the accumulation in a bit more detail. Uh, as we go on but again Simon have you had to have any conversations with clients and say you can't actually you know withdraw money at the current rate you have been as a result of what's gone on in the markets this year?
1: Yes and it's a very uncomfortable conversation to actually have I mean really there's, there's, two, two, there's, there's only a few choices open to the clients um, one of them is obviously they're, they're going to have to continue working um, they'll have to spend less of course um, in retirement and they are or they could run the, the, the risk of running out of money. And, that, and that's a real concern. And clients have to be made aware of this, that there are risks out there, such as longevity. And people, as we know, um, kind of underestimate their life expectancy. And that really is one of the driving factors that we have to kind
0: of control some of these behavioural biases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jim, just just out of interest, how do you... Kind of get across the the importance of these demographic shifts to people because I don't think everyone necessarily considers it. Um, is this stuff kind of built into your technology? Are there prompts for this kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I think fundamentally, as Simon was saying, it's it's managing those the the, the flexibility that's required for this this segment of of, of clients and uh, uh, exactly what's you know, some were saying, you know, we, we see this in terms of our risk profiling capabilities where we, we, we go into a lot of detail to extract the you know the the granularity of Client's capacity to take accept risk, and this is exactly the point where you're addressing the needs for the the retirees. It's understanding what the level of risk that they're prepared to take, and uh, you know I think people really do under underestimate what they're likely to need because uh, you know inflation, for example. If you if you you know we, we we take a lot of care in terms of putting all our assumptions in real terms, but you know if, it's quite sobering when you if you just computed say a two and a half Percent inflation assumption that over the next twenty years, that would actually, as a matter, of, you know, a matter of fact, would erode your capital by forty percent in, in in real terms. So, you know, this is the the fundamental. These are the fundamental issues. So, uh, we take a gr- great lot of time and care to provide you know forecasts that allow advisors to have those conversations. Because if the, the perhaps the biggest risk is actually not addressing. The, the 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 issue about accepting a certain level of control risk to actually generate sustainable income in retirement.
0: Hmm. And kind of looking at the challenges more closely, Simon. I mean, what would you say the issues are of your current, uh, you know, solution for clients in this respect? Uh, and not necessarily to kind of criticise yourself too heavily. I'm not saying, you know, say I'm doing everything wrong, but you know, what limitations are there to what you can do that you would like to be removed?
1: Okay. Well, okay. Well, let's let's be honest. I mean, we really started putting our at retirement position uh, proposition, proposition into place probably about a year ago. Um, I was at an event. We saw Rory Percival talking about prod and implementation, client segmentation, uh, CRPs, etc. And I was fairly embarrassed that I wasn't able to put my hand up and say, "Yeah, we've actually done this." So this is a fairly new process. So, and um, we're just implementing implementing it and training for some of our advisors. But it is a documented process, and and if we focus on this from a compliance point of view, we're forgetting the the, the human element, we're forgetting that the client has to be the center of all that we do. So we need to develop a a healthier understanding of the client and what they're hoping to achieve. Um, We have to understand where they're coming from, so their own biases as well, of course, uh, because that could um, predicate some some poor outcomes. So we have to find a balance between the technology, the, the compliance, the documented process, And and not forget that there's actually someone who is uh, at the centre and the heart of everything that we're trying to achieve from a financial planning point of view, not from a a technology point of view. Um, So we also have to make sure that um, any solution that we offer actually offers and delivers value and increases the probability of the client being able to meet their their income or the standard of living that they deserve in retirement. And that's
2: a challenge.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And, And Jim, I mean, you're coming in from the other side how do you How do you try to bridge these gaps
2: uh, yes uh, fundamentally it's that that point about probabilities and ensuring that you can provide that level of advice that positions that client in the most suitable p- portfolio that has the probability of generating as a sustainable level of income as long as possible that is inconsistent with the the client's uh, level of risk, and yeah, the way we do that is ensuring that we have a, a cash flow modeling tool that allows both the you know a high level of granularity in terms of risk uh, factors incorporated within it. Um, so that's certainly the first stage um, you would then be looking at making sure that those probability forecasts are done in the right way and uh, this is where I think drawing the distinction between the traditional you know the, the few years back where you know deterministic types of assumptions were you know completely um, useless so they always were then and I think they still are now but yeah, you know, they're still alive and they're uh, being used um, but uh, it's making sure that you have a uh, a way to reflect the the the, prob- the randomness of probabilities as effectively as you can uh, and the way we do that is using our our monte carlo modeling which has has uh, been developed to really home in on The key point here where you've got fixed withdrawals for drawdown drawdown in effect is in the now isn't it it's every month you need to take a fixed amount or most people do and uh, you know it's making sure that uh, you draw out the different uh, outcomes as a result of those fixed withdrawals because this is all dependent on what we call sequencing risk and uh, you know if you can run a whole raft of various sequences that are calibrated to your central asset and risk model that's a very powerful step to allow you to have those conversations with clients and saying you know what's the probability reflecting the randomness in the future what's the probability of you running out of money by taking this level of withdrawal and that's where obviously the coaching and, and the the careful considerations need to be taken into account with the advisor and the client's relationship.
0: Yeah, and, and Jim, I'll go back to you on this actually, because um, you know, cash flow modelling historically was often quite linear. You know, you'd look at a accumulation yeah. plan and it would say this will work or this won't work. Whereas, as you kind of allude mm. to there, the reality is there's a probability chance things will happen or things won't happen.
2: So, how do you, how do you best communicate that to a client or to an advisor even? <laughs> Uh, again, it's a, it's a great question, and it's something that we've learned over many many years in terms of developing our, our solutions. That you know, some clients, some advisors are are much more amenable to understanding numbers, charts, figures. Uh, so I think it's every everyone is different, and I think it's equipping both the advisor and uh, and ultimately the end consumer to you know with the appropriate information they can understand. Uh, but also uh, drawing out what the potential risks are in a, you know, clear way. So, you know, for example... um are you drawing out risks associated with illiquid assets? So liquidity risk is perhaps the most one of the most important here for people wanting regular withdrawals. It's no point having a, a commercial physically invested property fund that uh, is gated for for twelve months, uh, which is looks like uh, obviously regulatory um, consultation notwithstanding. It, it looks likely that uh, you're going to have to have. Uh, Notification withdrawals from property. So clearly, that does not work uh, from a uh, a decumulation uh, fixed withdrawal type of scenario. So I think it, it, it's it's key to ensure that you're bringing out that these risks in a in a in a meaningful way uh, and looking at it from various aspects. Uh, but the only way to do that is to have a very robust set of assumptions applied across a whole range of risk factors that can cope with the various idiosyncrasies of the portfolios that are being recommended because, you know, we do see a whole raft of um, asset classes and and fund solutions and model portfolios that require us to get into that level of detail because essentially what drives us is to make sure that we're providing a very robust and accurate assessment as best we can uh, going forwards
0: yeah and Simon, I'm going to kind of forward that on to you to some extent and And my question is what do you think what kind of communication uh, comes over best with clients because you're trying to get across all these different assumptions, probabilities, and things as Jim points out, like liquidity, which they might not have considered. Um, you know what kind of information do you think clients best interact with
1: okay so 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 we're tasked with making the complex sound quite straightforward. And any communication, as you all know, needs to be fair, clear, and, and, and not misleading from a regulatory standpoint. So, yes, yeah, so we have to, as um, we dilute some of the language to make it uh, a bit more digestible for the client. And in order for us to do that, we have to have a, a greater understanding of what's going on underneath uh, and what's underpinning um, the, the models or the assumptions that are being made. I think it's critical to point out that um, assumptions are really, really good. but By their very nature, they're always going to be wrong at some point. And the longer you try and project out, the the, the bigger diversity or dispersion of results we're going to get. So that's where the art uh, of being a good advisor comes in, because we will then be able to look at the client circumstances uh, on an annual basis look at what's underpinning the projections and tweak it accordingly. So, yeah, so as far as we're concerned, we have to have an understanding and embrace the technology, but obviously explain it in fairly straightforward terms to the clients that they understand. Um, Any mistakes at the start of the the journey could uh, extend out, and that problem could get greater and
0: greater as time goes by. Mm -hmm. Uh, Simon, that makes perfect sense. Um, Another question on that is, you know, is there one piece of information in particular or one kind of graphic or thing you can demonstrate in particular that, that really motivates clients to stick to these plans?
1: Yeah, well, for us, it's the it's the probability of them being able to meet their their target income. So um, we will use the cash flow modeling, uh, the new one launched by Dan Planner. Obviously, we've embraced uh, wholeheartedly. And I'm a huge advocate of that. Um, so we can give the client a range of pro- probabilities of them being able to meet the standard of living that they Uh, deserve and it's really important that they can see that if this actually happened in reality you're going to have to change your uh, spending patterns in retirement so if I could just angle down one and select one chart it would most definitely be that stochastic model um, where the client can see if this happened these are what the repercussions could well be. But you could be pleasantly surprised if this happens too. But obviously, we can't let the client get too carried away because their biases will dictate that they may overspend in the early years. So it's a balance between the two. And that's why uh, regular communication is so vital.
0: Mm -hmm. And obviously, Simon runs one of many IFA practices across the UK, and they're all very different. Um, So, Jim, my question to you is, is there a particular part of your accumulation software that, that people find particularly useful? Have you had particularly good feedback for one element mm, of it? Mm. Or is there one that's used more than others?
2: I think it's uh, very much the what could happen, preparing for... You know, the worst expecting you know the 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 medium forecast to have a, a a sensible conversation, but being aware that you know the extremes, the one in twenty event, one in twenty year events, can could and can happen and have happened. So, uh, and uh, I would totally uh, concur with the, the ongoing client review is essential here because you know, clearly uh, both assumptions will change over time. Clearly models and economics change uh, from uh, over the cycle. We need to make sure that our, our central assumptions are up to date and relevant and the data that we're getting to assess these solutions is accurate. And uh, the way we do that is uh, twofold. Uh, one is we we get uh, asset allocation data directly from asset managers. So there's no mis- misunderstanding or misappropriation of how we describe assets. Uh, so it's all consistently um, collated to our, in, to our in effect our risk uh, assessment lens as it were. And uh, we then make sure that those assumptions are applied uh, very accurately um, and with our, risk, our new risk managed accumulation service, which is uh, something that is links the whole solution at the end of the process to the front end and the planning and the cash flow modeling we, we've talked about. You know, that is very, very deep dive in terms of ongoing oversight. So we Make sure that we we're reviewing those portfolios to ensure that that volatility, you know, the amplification risk that we talked about earlier with sequencing, uh, is controlled as effectively as we can, and that involves a lot of a understanding what the 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 underlying assets held within the solutions are actually are at in real time, but also making sure that uh, the managers are fully aware of uh, how how they their actions the implications in terms of the model and what we're expecting them to 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 do to stay within that special risk managed accumulation proposition
0: mm-hmm. and to look at decumulation in general uh, i've got a big question which jim i will put to you in a second uh, but firstly simon um how would you answer someone who said nothing will ever nail decumulation
2: hmm.
1: <laughs> Well, I don't think we're quite there yet, but we've made great strides in the last few years. I mean, talking about the, the RMD funds there, which Jim just mentioned, I don't think the technology would have been there three years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's been leaps and bounds made in that. Um, I would also say that the RMD funds from, from a financial planning um, and a regulatory perspective as well, if you remember uh, TCF and treating clients fairly, there is an outcome five Um, which basically says that the client should expect that the financial advisors are recommending solutions and products that perform as expected. Now, this doesn't mean that they have to be top quartile, top decile or or shooting the lights out. What this does mean that the journey has to be a bit more uh, predictable Mm -hmm. and these funds have to perform uh, as expected. So as far as we're concerned, uh, we're very, very grateful that. Um, there 's so much oversight, so we can understand when we 're recommending these funds that they 're actually working in, the, in in the right way but yet yeah, there 's a lot of there 's a lot of uh, factors to consider we 've got the, the 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 investment management side we 've got the technological side we 've got the software we 've got the regulatory side we 've got the client behavioral biases we all have to blend together there 's external uh, risks that we have to take uh, into consideration so it 's really really difficult um, I think we 're getting there i don 't think that we 're quite there yet. But I think with the advent of prod and where uh, providers have to be designing funds for a specific client segment, which we can then match together as financial advisors, we're getting closer and closer as the years go by.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point around prod in particular, uh, with the regulation changing. And actually, if we can shift things back maybe to kind of the the RDR, the onset of RDR, where are we now compared to where we were then? And again, Simon, I'd be intrigued for, for your perspective there
1: well yeah I mean for as far as we're concerned uh RDR was, a, was was a huge uh, shift um but the 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 ongoing um focus from uh, from the fca i mean we all got the the, D, the ceo letter in january this year was with a, a focus on retirement income to making sure that clients are getting the right sort of uh, solutions being offered to them um the advent of the centralized retirement proposition as well which you know, I've embraced from the outset. Some some advisors have been more reluctant to 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 embrace that, but this is driving us forward. Um, and now with um, with prod and the enhanced suitability, we all the two worlds are all coming closer and closer together. And that can only be a good thing for the clients. So there's been massive, massive progress made. We've all had to raise our game, and for that, I'm very, very grateful.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and Jim, I'm going to put the question that I uh, gave Simon earlier to you, which is again: How would you answer someone who says nothing will ever nail the accumulation?
2: I think this is where you know the industry has perhaps been uh, duly criticised for not uh, coming up with suitable um, innovations to meet this growing demand. And I think, obviously, what we've seen over the last year or so uh, really brings to mind you know the the, the potential volatility and the implications for people in retirement wanting either natural yield or those fixed withdrawals. So, you know, I think it's a question and, you know, I suppose if you go back a few years that, you know, the the, the, the the with profit solutions, those are, were clearly unsustainable. Um, I think what we've seen, you know, the, the, the movement across the industry to generate um, multi-asset solutions that are really trying to tackle these risks head on. I mean, clearly you can't have, there's no... Silver bullet here. You you have to maintain that flexibility and and appropriateness of, of, of solutions to meet individual client needs. Uh, but that, those client needs are not going to go away, and um, I think we're not going to see. You know, given where we are with yields in in, in fixed interest, yeah, you know, they're they're not they're not what they were in terms of providing the the traditional ballast for portfolios to manage out that volatility. So diversification, but diversification in the right way to try and manage that volatility out has to be part of the solution here. And and, and it's vital that uh, those solutions are properly uh, constructed, but also reviewed uh, on an ongoing basis. And and, uh, I think what we do in terms of providing that independent oversight is another, you know, comfort i think in terms of advisors and ultimately customer adoption of these sorts of solutions so i think it it's it's here to stay the challenges for retirement longevity uh for income requirements um but uh you know i think we, we made a, a you know the what we're always seeing in the industry i think is a a very welcome step forward so you yeah, know we look work look Forward to working with many more managers in terms of building our risk managed accumulation proposition. Mm-hmm. Fact, if can I can just pick up from yeah, what uh, yeah, Jim yeah. was move. saying, if, if I may, um, that the
1: client needs and objectives in retirement. They're, they are a moving target and they are changing. So this is not a case of putting a solution in place and setting and forgetting. That's just not. That's just not going to work because there's too many variables to consider. So, following from what Jim has said, we need to maintain that flexibility of choice and the, and the ability to be adapt and to be nimble. Uh, where necessary, and a combination of those two factors, I think will get a better result for the client.
0: Mm-hmm. And actually, Simon, just a, a kind of human side of this, when, when clients first have that pre-retirement meeting relative to where they are mid-retirement, do you, do you think people initially kind of overestimate or underestimate what their ambitions are and how much they'll need?
2: Yeah,
1: I think if, if we take it from, from um, um, an expectation from a client's point of view, um, a lot of them may expect from retirement, wherever that is, to age perhaps 75, they're going to be more active and, and, and spending more. Um, the, 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 the artistry in putting a plan together is to ensure that they can spend what they need in the early years when they're, they're active and then through retirement, as they're getting older, they may need to, to, to rein in that level of spending. But then, of course, we've got the, uh, the, 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 the a greater propensity for the client to want to be uh, giving money away for their, their children or grandchildren, etc. And that's an additional expense. So these are things which have to be put into a plan and plugged into a plan um, and prepared for. Uh, at, at every stage so so really uh, at the very beginning they may have different levels of expectation of spending but the reality is the performance is a changing factor and and sometimes you have to have the uncomfortable uh, conversation with the client especially with COVID that listen this year we've planned for this but you may have to rein in your spending and that's never a, a, a positive conversation to, to have with the client but being honest and open with them um, is, is is really really critical
0: yeah, and to go back to the, the investment proposition that underpins all of that, um, Jim, the accumulation funds in Dynamic Planner, uh, you know, they, they manage risk more intensively than perhaps other funds. Mm. Um, how do they help?
2: I think it's part of the solution that uh, gives you, as an advisor, comfort that everything is calibrated to the process that uh, Simon described at the start of this call. Um, and I think this is where having that consistency of assumptions right at the start in terms of when you're assessing client risk through to all the various lifestyle stage planning and you know this is the the power of cash flow tools that you can you can allocate assumptions uh, consistently but also you can give priority certain levels of expenditure so you know Back to that scenario where people are are overestimating, you know, the level of uh, of surety of income they they're actually in reality they're likely to to achieve, and then you then have those difficult conversations. So once you've had those conversations, it's then making sure that you're doing your utmost to ensure that everything is consistent to that risk uh, assessment for that cash flow model case, as it were. Uh, I'm, pretending rather academic here, but, you know, these are client scenarios and these are clients, uh, you know, retirements that uh, everyone has wanted to do the right thing in the right way to to achieve that longevity of income. So I think this is where the hard wiring of the assumptions Coupled with a uh, ultra, you know, high level of oversight from us, with high level of commitment from managers, has to make a massive difference in terms of uh, planning effectively for this 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 type of client scenario. Mm-hmm. And and Jim,
0: I mean, I think that kind of fits very well with what Simon was saying earlier, actually, about you know, prod rules and, and getting things right for the client. Um, as as a final question, uh, and I'll put this to Simon, um, you know, what would you like to see from the accumulation? software in future you know what do you think next steps should be
1: oh, that's a great question <laughs> um, that's a great question um from a from a technical point of view uh, i would leave that to the experts but from a financial from a financial planning point of view um we need to be very very clear um about what the outcomes are going to be for the client the software needs to be um developed it needs to be advanced. It needs to be uh, client-focused, of course. Um, And anything, especially with um, the the cash flow, the the cash flow reporting tools, anything that's going to be able to help us um, be able to help the client and put something together to get the best outcome possible. I mean, for example, um, what the clients need to understand is in in the accumulations phase, um, they may have a set risk. But the returns are going to be variable. So, that, you know, they've got a, a DT risk six, for example. They could be anywhere from minus 10 one year to plus 20 another. Everything's reversed in, in the decumulation phase. So, the client may say to me, I need 5% return fixed a year. But in order to do that, the risk therefore needs to be variable. And that's a really complex um, um, concept to get across to the clients. Because that may not well be suitable for a lot of clients, especially the older they get. So, anything that um, the the experts like Jim can help us do to help us um, get the best outcomes we'd be very, very warmly welcome.
0: And Tim, finally, that question to you: uh, you know, what do you think the next steps are?
2: I think we'll see further solutions uh, coming to market that will embrace diversification, but allowing some rather complex strategies underneath to generate it, um, if that makes sense. And I think this is where the complexity of the solution then starts to become a, a, a question mark from, from a prod rule perspective, of course, but also just generally both advisors feeling confident they understand the, the risks involved. So I think we'll see more more diversified products coming onto market. Another area that I would be really keen to see, and I think this is just a matter of time, uh, you're yeah, seeing products with more of a you know an ESG type of uh, mandate involved here as well um, because clearly there are intergenerational wealth opportunities for advisors to to discuss uh, with clients of this marketplace in, the, in this client segment sorry so I think we may well see more solutions that are trying to you know both from a a kind of that generational point of view, but also from a more sensible uh, risk uh, evaluation, embrace ESG factors more actively than perhaps uh, others. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I'd also say, if I could just jump in again, if if it's, so we need to find a balance between the complexities of of, of, of of the solutions being offered and also the cost and also the client understanding. So um, we need to make sure that if the client does take that solution, they're going to understand exactly what they're doing when they're 70, 75, 80 years old. So um, and, and, and are we going to be, able to be able to get that balance right? I'm not quite sure right now, but um, we need to certainly focus on that and not get too complicated or
0: too expensive. Hmm. Well, brilliant. That's, that's a nice point to leave it on um, look that's all we've got time for but Simon and Jim thank you both for joining me uh, and for everyone listening of course thank you for tuning in and do join us for episode 3 with CityWire and Dynamic Planner goodbye for now